What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young, host of the number one ranked show. This week on our USFL Spotlight episode, we feature former Alabama tailback Bo Scarborough, who is also the Birmingham Stallions running back and is headlining a 6-0 start for Skip Holtz's Stallions. I also get into my week seven power rankings as we head into the final stretch of USFL football. Subscribe to the number one ranked show wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Speak for Yourself. I'm Marcel Swally. He's back, Emmanuel Acho. But before we get started, y'all, got to give some love to my boy Acho over here who delivered the commencement speech in front of over 60,000 people at his alma mater, the University of Texas at Austin. Hook them. You also handed out copies of your third book, Illogical, to all of the graduates. Wait a minute. All 60,000 little people? No, no. Over 6,500 students. Oh, thank God. I was about to say, that's illogical. But Acho, tell us about the experience, man. Goodness. Man, uh, second most nerve-wracking thing, big dog, I've done. 60,000 people we'll get there. Uh, is wild. I mean, we do this show every day in front of a camera. Now, we don't mm. realize we're talking to hundreds of thousands because we're talking to a lens. Millions. But when you see <laughs> 60,000 eyeballs just staring at you, whoo! Boy, um, but it was special. Inside of the stadium that I yeah. played in 10 years from when I graduated Ooh. with my undergraduate degree, an incredible moment, and I never have to speak at a commencement again. Never have to do it. You check that box? <laughs> Done. Okay, check. now you said second most nerve record. What was number one? Number one, hosting The Bachelor. <laughs> oh, that got you even more than that? <laughs> that got me more than that. Oh, that's great. Now, UT, you can't get your diploma back, but he just said he was in front of 60,000 people, but only 60,000 eyeballs. What was the other? <laughs> I was going to make the correction. Yeah. Let me slide. I hate you. I know I'm back at work. And he got two degrees from y'all. Good Lord. Congratulations <laughs> once again, big dog. You know I love you, man. Now let's move on to Golden State. Another warrior out there. Oh, these Warriors are in cruise control right now. <laughs> they can sweep the Mavericks tonight and advance to their sixth finals appearance in the last eight seasons. Steph Curry on the shot has been hot. Averaging 28 points in the series, and he said yesterday that this is the best stretch of basketball this team has played so far. So, Otto, what would another finals appearance mean for Steph Curry on the shot? Wow. Um, another finals appearance concludes the fact that Steph Curry is like Midas. Anybody he touches or anyone who touches him turns to gold. Mm. Think about mm. Steph Curry. Mm. There is not one NBA player who is better off without Steph Curry than they are with Steph Curry. We will start with Kevin Durant. Okay. Clearly better with Steph Curry than without Steph Curry. We can transition to Andrew Wiggins. Mm. Clearly better with Steph Curry than without Steph Curry. We can talk about guys even like Andre Iguodala. Clearly better, more impact with Steph Curry, finals MVP, than without Steph Curry. We mm. can talk about coaches. Luke Walton, clearly better <laughs> with Steph Curry than without yeah, Steph Curry. Yeah. We can go back to the days of Harrison Barnes. <laughs> clearly better with Steph Curry than without Steph Curry. This finals run that Steph Curry is making has proven that he is like Midas. And anything he touches mm. or anyone that touches him instantaneously turns to gold. Okay. That's who Steph Curry is. Mm. Now, the other thing I've learned, and I think that we've all started to learn, is he ain't need KD. 
You already back. And we already making this Steph KD argument. We making that's his second point. I chose second point, and both of them got KD in it. But let's talk about Steph. Let's hear it. Because hear let's be honest, big dog, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen forever intertwined. That's real. Um you can go Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal forever. forever intertwined. Mm. Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Mm. At least Kevin Durant is forever intertwined with Steph Curry because Kevin Durant never won without him. So we just got to be real. Unfortunately, whenever we do talk about Steph Curry, we're going to have to talk about Kevin Durant. But more so, whenever we talk about Kevin Durant, we're going to have to talk about Steph Curry. Why? Because they won together. Mm. But here's the kicker. Steph has now won before Kevin Durant. We knew that, 2015. And if Steph Curry makes the finals and then has an opportunity to win a championship, he'll win without Kevin Durant, Mm. once again, potentially. Mm. So what now can we conclude, black and white, no shades of gray, and definitely not 50 of them, what can we conclude (laughs) decisively that Steph Curry would not have needed Kevin Durant? So what I have learned during this finals run, Mm. what another finals appearance would mean and Steph Curry never needed Kevin Durant. No. Oh! <laughs> and number two. Your summations. Anything Steph Curry touches mm. turns into gold in mm. state. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Let me give him his flowers first. What it would mean to me and what it would mean to the Steph Curry base constituents. Because Steph Curry may be different than what people who are loving Steph Curry and championing Steph Curry may feel. They may be separate. This is pure greatness right here. And he's redefining what great can look like. Steph Curry's been able to switch roles throughout his amazing journey in terms of the alpha on his team, or even sometimes, as we just discussed, the beta on his team. Whatever it looks like, Steph Curry has found a way to add it up to tremendous team success. Kind of borrowing from the Tom Brady model. You can see individual greatness from you, but you see something greater than a sum of his parts when you add it all up. Tom Brady, you're here, but damn, your team success is even greater than that. Steph Curry, you're here, but damn, your team success even looks greater than that. Because you keep tying him to Kevin Durant for a real reason. Because Kevin Durant is recognized as a greater basketball player than Steph Curry. But Steph Curry has the receipts to show that I'm doing something greater than even you, better basketball player Kevin Durant. Now, you said Steph Curry has the Midas touch. And this is where, here's my pushback. You know me, got to keep balance. This is amazing. But Steph Curry, if he has the Midas touch and everything that touches him turns into gold, Mm -hmm. what does Steph Curry turn into in those same moments? Mm. Ah, let's go here. Steph Curry, who's never been a finals MVP, whatever. He's been a unanimous MVP during the regular season. And in that same regular season, did he win it all? In that same regular season, did he show up in the postseason the same he did in the regular season? Oh, I digress. We look right here. Points per game went down five. Five points a game from the regular season to the postseason when you just won a unanimous MVP in 73 games? Mm-hmm, Steph Curry. You look at his numbers all across the board. Field goal percentage dropped tremendously. Three-point dropped tremendously, even though he was still good to great. Here's the thing about Steph Curry that he's getting a pass that others just don't seem to get when you talk about the great of greats. He's able to switch roles. I remember the days where you hear Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan, we live and die by Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan tried his early career years to win it all by himself, realized he needed help. But even when he had help, he never let them grab the wheel. He never let them grab the wheel. Mm-hmm. There were times he was like, all right, do I make a right or left? 
But he never let him grab the wheel. He never let him drive. Steph Curry has found himself in this reimagined role of being the driver of the team, but not always driving the team. Mm -hmm. That's my only pushback. And I wouldn't call that criticism or hate, but it's certainly something we got to talk through. That's fair. I love that, Big Dog. Oh, man, I missed you. Mm. I did miss you, Big Dog. Mm. There were 60,000 in attendance in Austin, but none of them were Marcellus burning <laughs> widely. You were missed, Sal. You my were missed. Um, let me start here. Let's go. While Midas himself doesn't turn to gold, everything he touches does. Mm -hmm. So some might misconstrue Midas and be like, wait a second, big dog. You're not gold, so you're not as valuable as the thing you touched. Don't get it twisted because yeah. it's Midas yeah. that holds all the power. Yeah. So, like, let's not get it twisted. Mm. Jordan Poole balling right now. Mm -hmm. But it's truly Steph who's allowing Jordan Poole to ball. Let's not get it twisted. Kevin Durant was a two-time two-time finals mm. MVP. Mm. But it was truly Steph that allowed KD to be a two-time finals MVP. Kevin Durant, and I quote, I believe it was 2017, he says, I'm glad Steph Curry is a leader. I'm not a leader. Steph being the leader in the face of the team allows yeah. me to just play basketball. Okay. Let's talk about the fact that Klay Thompson turned into gold, Draymond Green turned into gold. Now, that's not to undermine who Steph Curry is. It's just to acknowledge Steph got all the value because he got all the power because it's everyone and everything he's touching that turns to gold respect to Steph Curry. But you're on to something. Mm -hmm. See, Steph Curry's a little bit like a chameleon, and I think that's the greatest attribute that he possesses. Because what Steph can do is say, hey, y'all need me to drive? I'll drive. But Steph also, unlike most other superstars, has a humility to say, not only do I not need a drive or ride shotgun, I'll ride in the back. Mm. Oh, y'all need me to ride in the bed of the truck? Mm. I'll ride in the bed. Mm. True story. I don't even know if this is legal or not. When I was a sophomore <laughs> in college, I took a road trip from Austin to Florida. Destin, spring break was in Florida with my a group dog. of my friends. And we had cats riding in the bed of the truck. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's legal, but we was doing it anyway. I did. Steph Curry... He has an uncanny ability, which I don't know if any other superstar possesses, to both have superstar Hall of Fame talent and G League humility. Okay. And I don't know if any other superstar possesses that uncanny trait that Steph Curry has. He has Hall of Fame talent and G League humility. And that truly is Steph Curry's greatest attribute. Let's go back not too far to the first round of the playoffs. Steph Curry was healthy enough to start. But Steph Curry said, you know what? I'm going to come off the bench. Hey, Jordan Poole, young buck, you go ahead and get this starter run. Hmm. Jordan Poole went off five for ten from three in his first playoff game, if I'm not mistaken. 30-plus points. A couple games later, another five for ten from three performance. 30-plus points. Most superstars would be tripping. Hey, I don't want another cat out here stealing my shine. I'm supposed to be the splash brother. Yeah. I can't afford for uh, uh, Clay Thompson now to have a half-brother, step-brother, brother-in-law. He mm. only got one brother, and it's me, <laughs> Steph Curry. But Steph ain't chipping because mm. he has G League humility but superstar talent. So when Steph Curry came back into the lineup, uh. everybody was reminded of his superstar Hall of Fame talent. Another finals appearance is now bringing to the world the fact that Steph Curry has traits that no other superstar possesses, and that's the ability to simultaneously have the humility of a practice squad G League cat, mm. but have the stardom and star ability of any Hall of Fame. Uh, for the sake of rhyming, is it really humility, or is he losing some of his ability in the most necessary moments? Steph Curry disappears. And gets a pass. Let's talk about it. Let's use Steph Curry at his greatest. Him. Not the team. Him. 
His MVP year, he averaged 30, 50 from the field, 45 from three. He gets into the finals against LeBron and Della Vadova. 22, 40, and 40. 40 and 40 went from 50 to 45 to 40 and 40. You went from 30 to 22. Just won't you imagine that if Mr. Midas wasn't Steph Curry, it was LeBron James. Mm. And he pulled that off with the team that won the most games in NBA history in the regular season, finds itself in the finals, and then you find yourself in a situation where you don't win at all. Ooh, Steph Curry, hang in there, brother. He gets a pass that others don't get. Let's talk about this. Steph Curry, 2014, 2015, 2018, and 2019. That stretch run with KD, whatever. He wins the finals against Della Vadova, right? But who wins the finals MVP? Iggy. Mm-hmm. Then KD, then KD. So no Steph so far being the driver, as you say. You see his numbers go down in those same games. 48% from the, from the field, 43 Postseason. Mm. Steph Curry drops finals 38% from three. Steph Curry, why does Steph Curry get to take the back seat? Dr- roll in the bed of the truck. Could Jordan do that? Could Magic do that? Could, and name another great Kobe. Anybody else? Kobe was forced because he was with a Shaq in those roles. And then when Shaq disappeared, Kobe said, I am alpha. In this situation right now, Wiggins is balling out of control. Jordan Poole's balling out of control. You can still say, yes, yeah, it's a Steph team, but he's coming off the bench in the playoffs. All I'm saying is his likability is giving him a little bit of pass to make you call it humility. I love this show. Um, I don't know, Steph. I don't know, Sal, if you fully understand who Steph Curry is. Yeah, and I help think me. that's okay. Help me. Because we haven't seen anybody like Steph Curry. True. And not just talking about shooting the three. True. Do you all realize, as weird as this categorically sounds, Steph Curry is the best small player of all time. And there is no debate on that. Mm. Think about your top 10. Whether you got Jordan, whether you got Bill Russell, Bird, Oscar, Magic, Kareem, uh, uh, Hakeem, KD, Shaq, Kobe, Tim Duncan. Okay. The greatest of those players that are 6'6 or under is Jordan at 6'6", Oscar Robertson at 6'5", Kobe listed at 6'6". The greatest small man of all time, and this is based off rankings that came out earlier, Jerry West. He was publicly listed at 6'3". Allen Iverson, he was ranked 29th, or he was ranked 31st, publicly listed at 6 foot. Chris Paul, ranked 29th, publicly listed at 6 foot. Steph Curry is the greatest small player of all time. And if he goes to another final cell, he will unequivocally be the greatest. If he wins another, he will unequivocally, in my mind, be a top 10 player of all time. So, Mm. in a big man's game, this small player's balling. Okay. Okay. Because this small player realizes, unlike Jordan, Steph might not be able to average 40 points during the course of a playoff run. Unlike Jordan, Steph might not give you 63 points in a playoff game. Unlike Jordan, Steph might not average 37 points during the duration of a season. It's different when you 6-2 versus 6-6 trying to create your own shot. Mm. Steph said, you know what? If I'm going to create my own shot, I can't do it by getting taller. I got to do it by getting further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. really practically Smart. think about mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. My dog said, I'm not growing getting taller. Yep, so if up. I'm going to create my own shot, I'm going to back up. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to back up. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to back up. That's how I'm going to go about creating my own shot. We've never seen anything like Steph Curry before. I don't think Steph Curry gets a pass. I think Steph Curry makes a pass. Huh. That, I think, is the difference, big dog. Oh. I don't think we're giving him a pass. I think what Steph Curry is saying, Katie, you can do it. 
You do it. Yeah. Clay, you can do it. You do it. Yeah. Dre, you can do it. You do it. Hey, Paul, you can do it. You do it. But you only have that inclination out of necessity, as they say. Necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. Why did Steph Curry back up? He's like, because I ain't going up True. anymore in height, yes, right? Yes, sir. So we can sit there and say, oh, it's amazing you're shooting from there, which it is. But initially, it wasn't out of amazement that you even did it. You did it because you had to do it. Uh-huh. Just like now, you're saying he's passing. It looks amazing when you see the results and the passing. But then in the first step, the primal conversation is, oh, you got to do that, which limits him in terms of superstar success. Therefore, a Kevin Durant is still regarded as a better basketball player, despite not having these same receipts. It comes at a cost. All of what Steph Curry's doing in, in terms of humility, in terms of de- deference, is coming at a cost, which I'm fine. If he's fine paying the cost, it pays the cost. But if you're Steph Curry, you're going to have a glass ceiling. You're not going to pierce through. Look at this year. Here we go again. Does Steph Curry have the most difficult path to this championship? Here we go again. I know the road to success is not even. It's not equal. But look at this. We just talked about his first championship, Della Vadova. No Kyrie, no Kevin Love, basically. Your next championship, KD. KD doing that. KD's doing that. Where are your finals MVP? Oh, whatever. Now we got... No Murray, no Porter Jr., and you beat them just with Jokic. Then you get Memphis with no job, basically. You get the J and not the A. And now here we go again. You get Luka and all I'm saying is this is all going to come at a cost, even though it costs to be the boss. That's fair, but as an athlete, which you were at the highest level, and you were at the highest level for a long time. I don't think people realize how long a decade is. Mm. Like playing pro sports for a decade is a long time, and you did that. But you understand this, bro, it's a war of attrition in the playoffs. Facts. Like, the playoffs isn't just a war of talent. It is a war of attrition, meaning okay. who can survive the longest. Ja got hurt. Steph could have got hurt. Mm. Steph got hurt during the regular season. He did season, get hurt. But he was back. Yep. Correct. He did get hurt. Um, uh, Murray, Porter Jr. Yeah, yeah. Cass was gone. Nobody said, Murray, you had to miss the entire season with an ACL injury from before. Yeah. You know, Caps, uh, Cam Akers, running back for the Rams. My dog tore his Achilles, came back in five months. Back. Nobody said you couldn't come back. So it is a war of attrition. Steph Curry won that war of attrition. The Golden State Warriors won Mm. that war of attrition. We're going to talk about Luka later in the show, but I'm going to get this point off earlier. All right. You can't empty your cupboard and then be mad that your cupboard is empty. (laughs) What do I mean? Steph Curry, as a superstar, he could have had beef with Clay. He could have said, I want to be a splash single, not a splash brother. Mm. But he said, you know what? I ain't tripping on sharing some of my praise. Mm. Draymond Green, we know how abrasive his personality is. But for some reason, it works with Steph Curry. Jordan Poole was playing G League games last year to get some more run in. Steph Curry could have kept his foot on Jordan Poole's head and said, you will not see the playing time as long as I'm around. But Steph was like, I ain't tripping. I'm Steph. So I'm not going to act as though the great players around Steph Curry, which are great primarily because of Steph Curry and the health around Steph Curry, which Steph Curry is contributing now to his team being healthy in the playoffs. I can't act as though that was an easy road. We all have the exact same rule book when the season starts, the exact same handbook. Y'all know when the playoffs are. Y'all know when the regular season is. Be healthy Mm. and be talented. Everybody knows the requirements. Steph Curry and his team just uh, uh, adhere to the requirements better than everybody else. I am with you. I am with you walking with you. But just as you walked into the UT Stadium and you felt that enormous reception, that was another part of the experience. But the first part was just you 
being there. Then it was like, how are they receiving me? I am exactly with you in terms of who Steph Curry is. But where we differ is how people are receiving Steph Curry. They've limited Steph Curry. So when Steph Curry finds himself in the conversation of one of the greatest basketball players of all time, and then you start to climb up there to the elite of elites, that first table in the Hall of Fame room, not just top 75, but top 10, that's when people start sitting there like the usher. Hey, man, need to see your ID. And when they want to see his ID, because there's different tests Mm -hmm. for different rooms, Mm -hmm. different levels, right? So when Steph Curry's top 75, come on, man, come on, man. Who you with? Who you with? You know? Oh, you want Clay? (laughs) You know? But when it gets to that top 10, hey, 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 this is why. Did you take the SATs? Yes, sir. Did you take the LSATs? No, sir. Okay. Me either. I I took the SATs and the LSATs. You know why? That was a different test for a different level. Steph Curry's going to have to take that test to get into that top 10. And that's when people are going to start beating up the road to his success. He's going in kilometers. Everybody else going in miles. And they're like, yo, they're not the same. These rings aren't regarded the same. One Dirk ring feels like two rings for some other cats. Because that Dirk ring was like, yo, he did that. And then when you look at the Steph rings, some people, when you go in there, 60,000 not cheering. 59,000 cheering. There's a thousand of them saying, yeah, it was easy, huh? You went here. You just wrote some books. You're a best. Like, and that's all I think of with Steph Curry. There's going to be pushback on his legacy in terms of these moments when Jordan, six for six in the finals, no game sevens, and you saw him, finals MVP. LeBron, four finals MVP, four titles. Even Kawhi, two for two. Like, everybody got them finals. Everyone finishes the deal as the dude, as the alpha. Tim Duncan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. And then you look at Steph and you, how you going to get in that room? But don't you think, Sel, and this is how you I, get in that room? I, the reason I hate what you're saying <laughs> I know. is because I think I, I categorically hate this philosophy we have in society. Let's go. We have, a, we have a philosophy in society which says the selfish person is the winner. Mm. If you have all the stats, if you have all the numbers, if you do the, the, the greatest impact that we can see with our eyes, then you are the greatest. But I say, mm. if you can make everybody around you greater, then that person is truly the greatest, bringing it all back full circle. The only person in there that wasn't gold was Midas. But Midas made everybody else gold, mm. figuratively speaking. Mm. So who was actually the greatest? Mm. All them cats that was gold, 18 karat, 24 karat, or the one that made all them gold. Mm. And I think we as a society are missing the mark, especially as it pertains to Steph Curry. Because mm. we look and we say, dang, KD, you was gold twice. Iguodala, you was gold once. Steph Curry, you weren't gold at all. You ain't great. Not realizing Steph Curry's the one out there touching them, touching them, touching them. That's where I think you're missing the mark. I mm. get it. Jordan, six finals MVPs. Braun, mm. four finals MVPs. But what about the guy that makes everybody around him greater yeah. and accomplishes the same thing? Yeah, but the thing is, those players made others around them great as well. Don't act like Jordan didn't help Pippen. Don't, it didn't help Robin. didn't help Grant. Like, no, you, and you never saw Pippen say, you know what, Mike? This is my finals. <laughs> Mike, hey, hey, not yet with the butt. Please. Kobe with Pau Gasol. Like, you, you can name them. Shaq with Kobe. Kawhi, Kyle Lowry was here. Kyle Lowry went there. Everybody that you're talking about in that room of like, hey, they did what Steph Curry's doing, except they didn't do this, which can either be a compliment while wow, you reimagine what greatness is, or it could be like, eh, there's a limit to your greatness. He had to say, hey, dog, I'm tired. 
You take the wheel. Let me just ride shotgun. Nobody else in that room ever rode shotgun. But philosophically, and this is going to be a conversation I don't know that anybody's had on television as of late, I would say that Pippen helped Jordan more than Jordan helped Pippen. Pippen helped Jordan. Yeah. yeah. Meaning, right? Meaning, yes. Jordan, I, if we're that. being real, like, Jordan undermined the whole lot of the praise that Pippen would have gotten without Jordan. Remember, Pippen plays without Jordan and wins 50-plus. Yeah, yeah. If Pippen is a perennial 50-plus winner, perennial playoff performer, now, he's not going to be Jordan. And he ain't yeah. winning no chips. And he didn't finish the deal that of course, year. Of course, Lee, he ain't winning no chips. Yeah. But we still would have looked at him as a multiple-time All-Star, multiple-time Defensive Player of the Year, would have won, uh, would have led his team to 50-plus. We might have looked at him to some degree maybe like Clyde. To some degree, like Clyde Drex, like, oh, this is a dude, six, seven, eight-time All-Star, can play on defense. But because of Jordan, and thanks to Jordan, we only ever look at Pippen at a Batman. Only ever. As a Robin. As a, as a Robin. Yeah, 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 yeah. We only ever look at Pippen as a Robin. Which you? And to, to me, Sal, to some degree, isn't that a disservice? Like, Pippen is a multiple-time All-Star, was a multiple-time defensive player, was a multiple-time glue uh, to that team, but uh, forever, forever uh, in life, Pippen uh, and Robin yeah. are synonymous. Yeah. That's a disservice, big dog. Well, I don't know how much time we got left, but you just made that fatal flaw that they do when you're playing the dozens in a group. You ever do this? Somebody, I get a joke off on you, and you're looking at me like, damn, he got me. You know what you do? You pick him, and you go on him. What you supposed to do? But here's the problem. I know I got you. You ain't coming back here no more because I got you. You got him. I'm right here. I'm talking about the room. Pippen ain't in that room. You punching down. Pippen is not in the top 10 room. We know it, and there's mm-hmm. no slight to his game. I'm talking about Michael Jordan. I'm talking about Kobe Bryant. I'm talking about Tim Duncan. I'm talking about Shaq, right? So these are the dozens. Steph walking to that room. And somebody say, oh, Steph here. Where your father? <laughs> and Steph going to say, where Pippen at? If you do that, <laughs> you know that you got God. Yeah. And that's the thing with Steph. I don't know how comfortable he's going to be in that room of elite elites. But he got another year. We'll see what he does this year. Coming up, last year's first-round quarterbacks are no longer rookies. We'll give you our confidence level for all five guys as they enter their second seasons. But first, do not plan on seeing Baker Mayfield at the Browns' OTAs. We'll tell you what we think of his no-show. That's next on Speak for Yourself. Picking on Pippen. <laughs> the Browns started their voluntary OTAs today, but reports say Baker Mayfield will not be there. Cleveland has said this offseason that the situation with Baker is fluid, and a report says the Panthers and Seahawks are still interested in trading for the QB. So, Sel, mm-hmm. what do you make of Baker Mayfield not reporting to the Browns' OTAs, offseason team activities for those at home? This is a horrible look coming from Baker Mayfield because he's broadcasting the signal to every other team out there, his future employers, that he still doesn't get it. Let's talk about Baker Mayfield this offseason. We already know the roller coaster ride in terms of the love letter to the fans, the demands to be traded, I want to go here, et cetera. Forget all that. We also know that he's rehabbing from an injury and his surgery. Forget all that. This is the moment right now, at least in perception and portrayal, that you need to be a buy-in guy. This is the moment you show up to class, no matter how smart you are, and give the teacher an apple. This is that moment. I know you're going to get 100, but you've been acting up. And guess what? You're transferring schools. You're transferring out of this class. You're not going to be here for long. So Baker Mayfield, to me, just seems like a guy who's trying to tell the entire NFL, I still don't get it. 
You can't be the guy who came into the league, even though you were the number one overall pick, kind of with this chip on your shoulder. Respect. It got you there, right? But then now that's flipped into not only arrogance, but a lack of self-awareness. He needs a life coach. And he doesn't watch our show enough, I guess, because I'm trying to be it. You got to play the game within the game. Too many cats just stay on the surface with it. You see my numbers. You see I can play. You see I'm good. Nobody wants to be around that. They want to be around a guy that's serving the same purpose as them and pulling in the same direction. Baker, take your ass to the stove, get you an apple, show up to class, and give it to the teacher. You need to show buy-in. I'm opposite on this one, big dog. Oh. Wherever Baker, wherever you are, stay there. As long as it ain't in Cleveland. Wherever you are at this moment in time, Baker Mayfield, what? stay there. I don't care if you're at the crib. I don't care if you're in the bathroom. I don't care if you're in the laundry room or the kitchen. As long as it ain't Cleveland, stay where you're at. Mm. If I'm Baker Mayfield, why would I buy in if they try to sell me? Mm. Don't make no sense. Ooh. You go to off-season team activities for three reasons. Marcellus Wiley, please correct me if I'm wrong. But America, you go to off-season team activities, OTAs, for yeah. one of three reasons or all three. You go because you have a workout bonus. Okay. Facts. Number one. Facts. You go to learn a system, a new system. Facts. Number two. Or number three, you go to build team camaraderie, kick with yeah, your boys. Yeah, chemistry, yeah. There's really, well, give me the fourth. What you got? What you got? Yeah, get away from the wife for six. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, you're not there. Yeah. All right, that's it. Not really. You go fourth. for one of three reasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go to uh, get a workout bonus. You go for team camaraderie or you mm. go to learn a new system. Mm. Baker Mayfield has no workout bonus that he needs to attain. Ooh. No reason there. Okay. Baker Mayfield does not need to build camaraderie with a team that does not want him. No reason there. And Baker Mayfield does not need to learn a new system because <laughs> Kevin Stefanski is going on year three with Baker Mayfield. So of the three reasons you go to OTAs, Baker Mayfield ain't got none of them. On the flip side, Deshaun Watson, he has one, two, all three Deshaun Watson, I don't know if he needs to earn a workout bonus, but you got a fully guaranteed $230 million deal, you might want to show face. Mm. Number two, Deshaun Watson, it's a brand new system for him, and he ain't played ball last year. Number two, checks out for Deshaun. Number three, he got to build camaraderie with a brand new team in a brand new city on a brand new side of the country. So unlike Deshaun Watson, who must go to OTAs to check Mm. off all three boxes, Baker Mayfield is sitting there like, I have no reason to be here. I'm glad Baker ain't in Cleveland. Really? And wherever Baker is right now, stay there, big dog. Oh, man. I, I anticipated this, and I'm prepared for this. Let's go here. You know why he has to show up if he really wants to do himself a favor? Because, one, it echoes professionalism. Why? Because you have showed everyone in the league that's looking to employ you further that you let bygones be bygones, right? You're not still caught up in those emotions of that moment because, hate to tell you, Baker Mayfield, as much as they don't want you, your production, your play, your resume also shows you didn't really want them to have to keep you. This is a two-way conversation. They didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what, we're tired of Baker Mayfield. You kept giving them ammunition, And ammunition through injury, ammunition through only six wins, six wins, six wins, ammunition through inconsistent leadership or bad leadership, ammunition. So when people break up, they always run to their circle, they homies, and talk bad about the other person. But guess what's also happening? They doing the same thing to their crew. I'm the one in the middle saying both of y'all messed this thing up. So now, Acho, because he doesn't want to let bygones be bygones, he's telling the whole world he's still in his feelings. We're talking about professional football. 
We're talking about a quarterback who's still in his feelings. Dog, you're auditioning for 31 jobs out there, but you caught up in the one you ain't got? Let me tell you this. Anyone stuck in the past like that? Oh, man, we got problems because you ain't even looking to your future yet. The only way Baker Mayfield is going to get a job is not because some teams just says, hey, eat all of the salary. That's not what the problem is. The other problem where he's not acknowledging is, is Baker Mayfield all in on football and all in on being a leader. He's sitting on the couch in a podcast with his dog sleep belly up. Talking about, I don't care if my new teammates like me. That's his biggest problem. Everyone's focusing on the $19 million. These owners ain't tripping on that. The problem is there's not a cost that you can go out there and pay to make someone believe that Baker Mayfield also will be a leader no matter what that contract says. Let's get personal. Uh Uh-oh. Let's get personal. Do not tell me, but think about the last time you and wifey, you and Anna Marie, got into a major dispute, a major argument before you had to go to a function. Oh, I got you. I got you. I got you. You got you got it in your head. I need the visualization. You got into a major dispute, a disagreement. There's our wedding count. You had to go oh, show face at a function. Let I ain't me ready. know when you got it, big dog. Let me know when you got it. Let me know. When I got, you got I got too many, so I got to pick one. All right, I got it. Okay, Beautiful. I'm here. <clears throat> did y'all end up going together to that function? Hell yeah. How did it play out? Was it obvious that one of the people were were upset at the other? Was it obvious that the other was upset at one of the people? How did it play out? Do you think I'm mad at you right now? I'm a good actor. (laughs) (laughs) It was good. We didn't fight in front of them. (laughs) Here's my thing, big dog. One of my favorite quotes, better be silent. It's better to be silent and be thought to be a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Yes. See, in your situation with wifey, when y'all show up to the function, I would rather y'all not show up together than show up there and be arguing and bickering. Mm. Now, if y'all both had the collective maturation to Mm. show up, play it all cool, and get back into the whip, and then you know you handle your business, that's one thing. Yeah. But Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns do not have the maturation to show up at a party together and be cool. Mm. Andrew Barry apologizing for not telling Baker Mayfield what he was supposed to tell Baker Mayfield. Mm. Browns teammates calling Baker Mayfield out on the sly. Maybe the locker room would have been better had we kept Odell Beckham, gotten rid of Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield clearly does not have the maturation to keep it within the vest as well. So if you and your significant other are arguing, it's best that, hey, you know what? I'm going to just go to this wedding and I'll be back. Hey, I'm going to just go to this function and I'll be back. Let's not go together and then argue in public. Because at the end of the day, I would rather you not show up than show up with an attitude. Mm. And if Baker Mayfield shows up at OTAs, he's showing up with an attitude. Nobody wins, big dog. Well, you can win in those moments. Let's talk about why we do show up every time, no matter how we're feeling about each other in that moment. Just like us as athletes, we're able to compartmentalize, right? How many times you had to go to the stadium on the way to the game, getting your phone? Hey, I need more tickets. You just left the house. People over there having their fun, having their issues. You and your girl had a spat. Like, you still got a ball. It's 103. 103 p.m.? Hey, it's time to ball. That ball's in the air. I got a job to do. Baker Mayfield, one of your quotes, one of the things we both agree on. I can't want it more than you. Mm-hmm. If I'm one of the other 31 teams, there are two issues with you. One is the money, the contract. I will not neglect that. The other is, who is Baker Mayfield? And if Baker Mayfield is just going to be the offseason guy who talks about the Browns, but still while under contract from the Browns, it's not going to do himself a favor. It just makes me question who is Baker Mayfield. So in this situation, this is closer to me in example form 
You ever had this one happen? You break up with somebody and boom, we broke up. But we had something on the calendar that was major. Let's say a wedding. Something that you just like, God, don't want the whole world knowing. This just happened to one of my boys. He just got divorced. But in the process of divorcing, they went to multiple functions because they were like, we are still together, even though we know we're not going to be together. And they did it. Why? They did it for their kids. They did it for the family face. Why should Baker Mayfield do it? For his own face. Like broadcast to everybody. Hey, y'all, I chipped in on this problem, too. Hey, y'all, buy into me because I'm buying into something that I know that's not even going to be long for me. You need to do it. Do what Anna Marie and I do. Argue in the car. When you get there and when you leave and cover it up, the Celtics put the heat on ice last night to tie up the series. Who's the better team? We'll answer that next on Speak for Yourself. Nothing worse than when you're arguing in the Uber. Celtics came out on fire last night against the Heat and never looked back in their blowout win. Jason Tatum bounced back from a horrible game three, 31 points. And on the other side, no Heat starter scored in double figures. Damn. Series is tied 2-2 and moves to Miami tomorrow night. Take me which we got to bring in Fox NBA analyst Slick Rick the Buker Baracho. Who's the better team, Heat or Celtics? Woo, Heat, Celtics, Heat, Celtics. I thought long and hard about this one, and I derived this clear answer. I don't know. (laughs) I genuinely don't know. And Slick Rick, this isn't a I don't know because I don't feel like putting in the work. This is after putting in as much energy, effort, and possible into a question, I derived that I have absolutely no idea which team is better. Acho, how you don't know? Because in game one, the Heat were up by 20, and there were only three lead changes in that game. Mm. In game two, the Celtics were up by 34, and there was one lead change in that game. In game three, the Heat were up by 26, and there were no lead changes in that game. In game four, the Celtics were up by 32, and there were no lead changes in that game. I do not know. (laughs) And if we're being honest, I can't wait to hear my gentleman and my colleague and my scholars' answers, because I don't think they know either. (laughs) We come on this show, and we're supposed to give y'all an eloquent, (laughs) concise, delightful for the mind, mentally stimulating answer. But after all of my legwork, all of my research, all of my time, slick, I don't know. Jason Tatum, he balls in game four, he falls in game three. Jimmy Butler, he balls in game one, he disappears in game three. I do not know. Is Eric Spolster the better coach? Is Ime Udoka the better coach? Does Boston have the best bench? Does Miami have the better bench? Grant Williams, he gonna give you 27, he gonna give you seven. Pritchard, does he belong in the Navy or is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? (laughs) I don't know. So slick. You are the astute yeah. analyst, Cell. You are an astute yes. talent. Somebody tell me, because genuinely, I ain't got a clue. Mm. All right, let's say take all of that, everything that you said, all of those variables, all the, let's take that bouillabaisse and let's put it in a pot. And what do we come out, out with? When we boil it all down, when we let it simmer, Please. and we get it to that baseline, right? What do we have? Well, we have a couple things. Number one, Acho. How many blowouts have there been on, in, in this series so far? I would say three. You could say two, though. You could say two. Okay. Let's, let's say two. Okay. Since we're talking about 20-point plus, yep. we've had yeah, two yeah, of those. Yep. Who's been on the winning end of those two blowouts? My, oh, Boston, sir. Boston mm. on both of those. Yes, sir. Mm. Yes, sir. The, every, this entire series has been dictated by how the Boston Celtics play. And True. I'm not going to bore you with the, 
the ins and outs of the percentages. But if you look at how Miami, I'm going to throw game four out because that was just, that was a crazy game. Uh, And starting out, what, ahead 18 to one, Miami missing their first 14 shots. That was, that was, the distinction is that Miami had a 2-1 lead after three games. And how could that be? And if you look at how Miami played over those first three games, the numbers don't vary. They shot virtually the same from three and overall. Turnovers the same. Rebounding fairly the same. Free throws fairly the same. The, the difference in those three games was Boston, which had a wide variable. Now, here's the, here's the great distinction. When Boston plays at its best, Miami cannot meet it. Uh, Miami simply is that, that, that steady engine. We're going to keep playing this way, and Boston has been up and down massively. They've been on the roller coaster. But if you take everything these teams have done in the playoffs to this point, including against each other, and you take the ratings, it makes it pretty clear who not only is the better team in this series, but who is the better team in the playoffs overall. These are the net playoff ratings to this point. And mm. while we are impressed by everything that the Warriors have done, they are doing it against the worst remaining team. Meanwhile, you've got the Boston Celtics who knocked off the Brooklyn Nets with two championship winning te- players in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Then they knocked off the actual defending champions in the Milwaukee Bucks. And now they're up against the Miami Heat team that was in the finals just two years ago. Mm. That Doing that or, or playing against all of that and mm-hmm. then producing this gives you the <coughs> clear idea of who the better team is in this series. And I'd say right now who the better team is uh, remaining in these playoffs. Yeah, man. I'm hearing you, Slick. I'm hearing you, Slick. I'll tell you, man. Around all those smart people this weekend, 60,000 in attendance, over 6,500 graduating, and you had to think long and hard on this one? You don't know, but as Jay-Z once said, I know, I know, and I know. You want that old thing back? Here we go. It's the Celtics. It's not even close, really. It's not even hard. We're just trying to make a conversation, I guess, and fill some time. Let me give it to you like this. Do you know that the Miami Heat have only won three-quarters Three quarters in this entire series. Four games, that means 16 quarters. Miami Heat have only won three. And one of them was the fourth quarter of game four we just saw, which means basically it was over and we didn't even care. Two quarters, basically, of game. They've been out-rebounded by 29, outscored. Yes, the Celtics have scored more points in it, shot better from the field and from three, as Slick said. When the Celtics play, it's a wrap. The thing is, they haven't played every single game. Or more importantly, I'm sorry, I know what to look for, so therefore it's not that hard to see this. When Robert Williams plays, <laughs> they've won the last two games because Robert Williams was in the lineup. Remember he missed the game three? Bam, goes off. Robert Williams shows up again game four? Mm-mm. Not so fast. This has come down to the intensity of the Boston Celtics. They're a more balanced, deeper team, crazy enough. And also it comes down to really, if you want to say an X factor, it's not Jalen Brown who's leading and scoring or Tatum responding and rebounding from bad games as smart and his intensity. It's actually that presence of Robert Williams as well. 
It's been a great coincidence, or that's the reason why these Celtics are in this position right now, 2-2. All they have to do is stay activated mentally, let Robert Williams play, and they will advance. Y'all, that all sounds good, but to me, y'all are giving a lazy answer. I'm not saying that your answer isn't right, Slick. I'm not saying your answer isn't right, Cell. But Slick, remember at Dartmouth, Cell, remember at Columbia. We didn't have to do such a thing at Texas. At Dartmouth and Columbia, y'all were not only asked to give an answer, but you were asked to do what, Slick? To show your work. Show your work. Show your work. Y'all are giving me the answer. And in fact, your answer might be right, but here's the problem. I don't like your work. Your work is wrong. What? You can't tell me that the Celtics are unequivocally the better team when they trail by 20 in game one. You can't tell me that the Celtics are unequivocally the better team when they trail by 26 in game three and don't lead at any point in time. Slick, what I love about track and field, mm. the, the short sprints. Slick, some about the short sprints. But mm. to the naked eye, it's very unimpressive, Slick Rick. Why? Because to the naked eye, you just see some people running. Anybody can run. See, but anyone can run, but sprinting is a skill. What we've been watching in these first four games is a bunch of people running. They're not really <laughs> playing basketball to me, Slick. Like, the Boston Celtics are not playing nearly as they played against the Milwaukee Bucks. The Miami Heat are not playing nearly as well right. as they played against the 76ers. We're not even really watching Hooper's Hoop. We're just watching Cass run in a street race. So I don't even like assessing yep. this caliber of ball because it's not good ball. Heat starters combined for 18 points. That's pathetic. That shouldn't be in an NBA game, particularly a playoff game, especially if Jimmy Butler's a starter. So... I cannot come out here and quantify this type of horrible performances. Slick, go back to your days playing cell. Go back to yours. I vividly remember, and I'll end with a quick story. Um, Slick, when I was in college, we would have roughly 24 periods of practice. 24 periods of practice. Each period would be maybe six, eight, ten minutes, whatever the case may be. But the worst thing that could ever happen during the course of a college practice was you get about eight periods in, and you blow the whistle and you got to start over. Oh! says, throw all that tape oh! out. Like, we're practicing so bad that coach makes us start over Ooh! and he don't even look at the tape. Ooh! These first yeah. four games in my mind have been so bad that I can't even look at the tape. Mm. So if y'all want to assess it because we get paid to do so, by all means, just know you can't show the work because your answer is an answer just based on something that has no reliable data. Mm. So what you said is why I threw out game four, because game four really was where we saw my, the Miami Heat fall down and look terrible. Mm -hmm. They haven't looked terrible prior to game four, right? Game three, game one, game two, game three. They weren't great, but they were good. They were consistently good. The Boston Celtics have been great and not very good at all, particularly when it came to game three. Now, I know, Acho, that you appreciate the psychological aspects of the game and how they impact what the way a team or a player plays. And that's what we have seen here. The Boston Celtics came into this series and had to play game one without Marcus Smart and without Al Horford, two of their most physical, uh, their leaders, if you will. And they lost but they were competitive. So they come into game two, and they've got Marcus Smart and Al Horford, and they're thinking, well, we, we know that we're better with Marcus Smart and Al Horford, and they proved it in game two. 
Now they're going, and not in a big way, blow out the Miami Heat on their home floor. Now you're going home. Game three. We just blew them out down there. We, were, we had a full complement, and now we're coming home. This is a wrap. And they ex- played exactly like that. They showed the inexperience or whatever it is. They, they, they took a step back because they thought, we've, we've got this. Miami can't play with us. And they lost game three. And then they had something to prove again. And they went and they blew their doors off. So, again, Miami Heat fans are going to take great exception to this. They're going to find all kinds of reasons to say, you're not giving us the respect we deserve. It's 2-2. We had the best record during the regular season. I'm just looking at the comparable talent and the highs and lows of of these respective teams. Mm. The Boston Celtics' highs are just (laughs) higher than the Miami Heat. And when they decide to raise their level to that, it's no contest. When they don't, it's with anybody in the NBA. You can get beat if you don't play your game. And the Boston Celtics are so confident against the Miami Heat that they keep letting their guard down, or at least they let their guard down in Game 3. That's essentially the game where they gave this away. You take that out and you look at it and you go, uh, clearly, the Boston Celtics, with a full complement, are the better team. Yeah, man. Oh, I'll show you. Hit me in the heart. It hurt. Said we gave some lazy takes. Oh, man. Lazy is like when I'm sitting on the couch. Hurt. And I'm it like, hurt. yeah, and I'm like, Acho, give me the remote. And you're like, dog, you can just lean forward off the damn couch and get it. But I'm not giving you that take. I'm giving you the take like this, the remote right here, dog. What you talking about? <laughs> Change this. This is simple. These are the Celtics. As the better team, let me tell you why. Who was the better team? We know the answer, but let's just be rhetorical here. Warriors or Grizzlies? Warriors. Did the Warriors lose to the Grizzlies by 39 in a closeout game? Did the Warriors find themselves down by 55 in a closeout game? You know why? Because human beings are playing sports. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. But in this one, even though there are uneven times where the math is not mathing, as Acho likes to say, we know what it is. Just simply grab the remote and turn this channel because this one is a wrap. The Boston Celtics slick said it best. Game one with no Horford and Smart. They walked out of that game and said, oh, we know we better than them once we get our boys back. Instead of thinking to themselves, okay, you still got to always show up. So game two, they smash them. Game three, told you we know we're better. You always got to show them, remember? Game three, bop. And then here we go, game four, we know we're better. Boom. Now this is about maturity, growing pains, blah, blah, blah. But in terms of talent, in terms of aggregate, collective greatness, it's more on the Boston Celtics side than the Heat. And I say there's a disparity as well. When you win 13 out of 16 quarters in terms of playing basketball and point score, I think that's enough evidence. I think that's enough for you to go out there and clearly see it. Hey, Acho, remote right there. Not that lazy. Coming up, last year's freshman quarterbacks are headed to their sophomore seasons. Uh-oh. We'll give you our confidence level for each guy in year two. That's next on Speak for Yourself. Big board. A lazy take. Yeah, he went there. Mac Jones turned some heads in his rookie season with the Patriots, but he's apparently taking it to another level. Get on his level! According to teammate Kendrick Bourne, Bourne said his quarterback is, quote, in the best shape of his life. 
and his stomach is gone. <laughs> I need to get on that plan. This got us thinking about all five of the quarterbacks that were taken in the first oh round last God, year. Never... Mike 51. Oh. Now, give it up. This boy playing ball this year. Playing ball this year. Mac Jones ain't the only one ready. All right. They're heading into their second season, so we wanted to give our confidence level. You mad, Acho? So each guy is going to be graded on a scale of 1 to 10. Acho, get us started. What's your number one overall pick? What's your confidence level? Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick last year. I am at a six out of ten as it pertains to confidence in Trevor Lawrence. Remember last year, 17 interceptions. It was not pretty at all. Only 12 touchdowns, a 3-14 and record. Hmm. This year, though, he gets Doug Peterson. That's why my confidence is above a five. Doug Peterson, Super Bowl winning head coach with the Philadelphia Hmm. Eagles. But you must remember, Doug Peterson's first year with Carson Wentz was not pretty. Okay. It was Doug Peterson's second year with Carson Wentz that was phenomenal. I don't think uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence's first year with Doug Peterson is going to be anything to write home about. Mm. I just think Trevor Lawrence will finally steady the ship. I anticipate about 25 touchdowns, 14 or so interceptions. I anticipate like a year where we're like, okay, he's had a lot of promise, but he's still turning the ball over too much. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Now, let me just put my number up here because I'm thinking a little more of Trevor Lawrence, obviously, than you are. I have him at an eight. Now, without a Super Bowl winning head coach there, maybe I would have had him at a six. But this is his second year. Obviously, we're having this conversation. Trevor Lawrence took some lumps last year. You threw more interceptions than touchdowns. Welcome to the NFL, right? But he's still a tremendous talent that's going to get a healthy running game. Also assets there. And then someone adult in the room, as they're saying, in terms of leadership and taking this forward. Trevor Lawrence is on record saying, hey, this offseason, I'm loving the communication, loving the camaraderie. So I think Trevor Lawrence is taking his natural bump. Also, with the help and acquisitions on that side of the ball, on top of a Super Bowl winning head coach, I got to give him more than just, if you say 25 and 14, that's not a sixth season for a quarterback. That's in them sevens and eights, the brother. The thing is, you know how good quarterbacks are these days. Oh, they, Big dog. Yeah, yeah, Aaron yeah. Rodgers, 40 touchdowns, four picks. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen, 40-plus total touchdowns, seven picks. 25 and 14 for me is, I guess, for a second-year quarterback, oh, that's solid. Yeah. For a quarterback, though, okay. it's only so-so. Here's why I'm not that high on it. Mm. His number one receiver, Christian Kirk. I love Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones came in the league when I did, but Marvin Jones getting up there in age. Uh, Travis Etienne going to be his premier running back, supposed to be, maybe, mm-hmm. along with Montgomery. I yep. just don't really know mm. uh, how it's going to play out. That's why I'm only at a six. I hear you. I hear you. All right, let's go to the big apple, that same apple that Baker Mayfield should bring to the teacher. And we want to know your confidence level for Zach Wilson. My confidence hey, level man. in Zach Wilson. I got him at a 7 out of 10. 7? I got him at a 7. More than Trevor Lawrence. Th- did you see him last year? More than Trevor Lawrence because <laughs> he has to do significantly less. Ooh. Think about the Jets' defense now. Robert okay. Sala is a defensive mind. Yeah. Second year as a head coach there, defense yeah. should be more shirt up. Who did they draft first? Mm. Sauce Gardner at cornerback trying mm. to shore up that position. Mm. So I don't think Zach Wilson's going to have to do that much. Furthermore, they actually gave him some help on the flip side. Yeah. Remember, they gave him a running back in the second round and Brees Hall mm. gave him a phenom- two phenomenal receivers, including Elijah Moore mm. as well. So when I think about Zach Wilson, mm. he's not going to have to do as much. He got so much help in the offseason. I think 7 out of 10. Here we go again. Zach Wilson wins offseasons. Uh, I got him low than that. I got him at a three. Hate to do this to you, Zach wow. Wilson. Here's the thing. Last offseason, he was the flavor of the month. Mm-hmm. And the month was August before everything started. Oh, my God. Look at Zach Wilson. How he looks in practice. He's so amazing. And then he got in them games. He was getting tilted. Hit. 
69.7 was not his completion percentage, his passer rating. Dog, Zach Wilson was giving the ball to the other team and trying to figure out. And I'm not against this guy as a talent, but you know how it goes, especially if you start off slow in New York for the Jets. You talked about tremendous assets that are trying to keep the score down, but you need to go out there and score yourself or all of a sudden you create that civil war because the other side of the ball starts to look at you like, hey man, we doing our part. Zach Wilson, step up. I just don't know, Sal, hmm? how much he's going to be asked to do. Okay. That's why you'll see as my list progresses, yeah. it's all about how much do you have to do versus how much are you asked to do. Yeah. When I think about Zach Wilson, I don't think he's going to be asked to do that much. He got a good running game now. Brees Hall was one of the best running backs in college last year. That's fact. not the best. Iowa State, dude. Mm-hmm. You've got finally a defense that looks to be solidified. CJ yeah. Mosley, hopefully he's healthy. Yeah. You already know Quentin Williams up front, D tackle. Dude, Sauce Gardner, hopefully he can settle things down on the back end. So I just don't think he has to do that much. That's where my faith is. Not so much in Zach. My faith is now in the organization. Oh, don't have to do that much. Maybe he can't do that much. This dude didn't have a game, a game with a passer rating over 100. <sighs> he threw nine touchdowns. In 17. Man, let me stop. Let's move on to the quarterback that saw the least amount of action last year. What's your confidence level? In one play, Trey Lance. One play, Trey. Mm. Two out of ten. And only because I'm trying to be somewhat nice. Trey Lance, from everything I've heard from people within the locker room, people outside the locker room, he just ain't it. He just ain't got oh, it. There's God. a reason they yeah, call him one play Trey. And yeah. there's a reason he only played, started one game last year, oh, if I'm not mistaken. Because he's just not like that. Think yeah. about this for yeah. a second, y'all. I'm listening. The Niners chose to play Jimmy G with a broken thumb over their first round top three overall pick in Mm. Trey Lance. There is a reason. If you're a first round pick top five, they want to Mm. start you. Mm. The only reason you don't start is if you quite literally do not have the talent so much so that you can't. I got him at a two. Oh, Trey, I don't know what to think. I'm going back to you at the desk when you were saying, Boston, Miami, I don't know. I don't know about Trey, so I'm going to give him a five. I've heard exactly what you've heard. Part of it, I've heard from you exactly those same words. But there's also a part of me that's like, yo, this dude is a talent. Everyone also talks about how his ceiling is so high. And maybe in that situation of the 49ers, that circumstance is why Trey Lance has not been on the field fully. You know how it goes. If we're on a team that has Super Bowl aspirations and we have a Super Bowl roster, we don't have time to slow down. You ever been at the gym and somebody on the treadmill and they have 15? You ain't no warm-ups, bro. You got to hold the both rails and just hit it. it. You got to hit it. it. And I don't know if they trusted the rookie to do that. What, offseason to go through this offseason? And then him coming back? I think that they think that this is the guy for them. But for me, I don't know what to think. So I got to go midpoint with him. Number five. Let's get to the Bears and their quarterback, Justin Fields. Acho, what's your confidence level? Justin. Your reasoning is literally my reasoning this year oh. for Justin Fields. Oh. I have him at a five for this reason. Yeah. Justin Fields has no help around him. Ooh. If I didn't like Justin Fields, it would be significantly, significantly lower. Mm. They have no change of pace at running back. David Montgomery is a dude, but Tariq Cohen, remember, he just got injured last this yeah. offseason, yeah. last week. Yeah. So you don't have a change of pace back, ain't... and you ain't got a change of pace receiver. Mm. Darnell Mooney is a dude, dude. but straight speed. Mm-hmm. So if you have no change of pace at running back, 
no change of pace with wide receiver, then when you pass the ball, it's one pace. When you run the ball, it's one pace. Why does that matter? Because there's a defense that is very easy to game plan against. Yeah. I don't think Justin Fields has very much help. He has a defensive-minded coach as a first-year head coach in Matt Eberflus. I just don't know that this is the year that it gets right. I think we need one more year for it to build. Man, I, I'm thinking more of Justin Fields. I have him at a seven. I have Justin Fields at a seven because this is going to open up his playmaking. Everything you said was dead on. And I had him at a five. I said, I just said five for the last one. I can't go five again. Then I started to think, when the play breaks down, that activates Justin Fields. Last year, he had a stretch run when he won two of his three starts. He had a stretch run when he was improvising. When Justin Fields can't see it out there, he can make it still happen out there. But this is, by design, a situation that is not set up for ultimate success. Totally agree with you. But I think the playmaking ability of Justin Fields is going to stand out this year while they try to build him up with resources and assets that they don't have just yet. And finally, the quarterback who's apparently in the best shape of his life, flat up here. Acho, what's your confidence level for Mac? Who? Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Mac Jones, he's 9 out of 10. Yeah, that's quarterback's part. a reflection of a team. A team is a reflection of the quarterback. And he's a 9 out of 10, not because mm. he's the most talented. I don't think so at all. But I think his team will perform the best. Mac Jones doesn't have a ton of help either, mm. but he knows what to do with the limited help that he has. Mac Jones will find a way to make sure the Patriots stay up top the AFC East. They were second in the AFC East last year. Yeah. 10 and 7. I anticipate getting more wins. I think he will be the winningest second-year quarterback. Yeah. As a result, I judge my QBs based off wins. Y'all judge y'all how y'all want. <laughs> I judge mine based on how right. they win, and he'll be the winningest. 9 out of 10. Oh, man, I'm with you. I got him at a 9 as well. With Bill Belichick there, if you talk about planting the seeds in terms of the greatness of Mac Jones, Belichick's going to protect this while it blossoms. So a young Tom Brady was allowed to blossom. Now we're going to see the same thing with Mac Jones. And what offseason he's having from the Pro Bowl, hitting the gritty. Should I do it right now? Oh, no, no, no. I always start off with my running. So, oh, no, I could do it, though. Oh, no, too much. All right. He did that better than me. And then <laughs> can he show up flat. And teammates are talking about Mac Jones, not only because of his tangibles. There's a limit to his tangibles, but there's no limit to his intangibles. You always bet on character. You always bet on a worker, especially when he has that level of talent. Mac Jones, he about to ball out this year. Coming up, Luka Doncic and his Mavericks are one loss away from elimination. Another week. We'll tell you what we've learned about Dallas's superstar in this series. Next, on spray for yourself. I'm a gritty champ. Saturday, it's the USFL primetime showdown between the New Orleans Breakers and Jeff Fisher's Michigan Panthers. Kickoff, 9 Eastern on FS1. Then Sunday, the league-leading Birmingham Stallions take on the Pittsburgh Maulers, 2 Eastern on Fox. The Mavericks will try to avoid being swept tonight by the Warriors. Luka Doncic is averaging 34 points in this series and scored at least 40 points twice, but it's not been enough. 23-year-old superstar said after the game three loss that he's, quote, still learning. Slick is back with us, but Acho, what have you learned about Luka this series? Fellas, this has been a very interesting series at a, as a Mavs fan, but a Steph Curry fan. Mm. I've learned that Luka only has one pitch, and it's the fastball. Now, we love a fastball. That's the one that gets praised the most for, most for casual MLB watchers. That's the one that goes viral. Did you see? He threw 102 miles per hour. But the problem with the fastball slick is if that's the only pitch you got, eventually you're going to see diminishing returns on the pitch. Mm. And that's what we're mm. seeing for Luca, Because the only 
speed that Luka has is that full throttle, I'm going to give you 40 a game. Now you're like, Acho, duh, what's wrong with that? Because what I need to see from Luka is his ability to get others involved at whatever cost. Remember, Luka has eight 40-point games in his short playoff career, but two and six in those 40-point games. Now, for those that say that's not on Luka, let me remind y'all something as an old-school Mavs fan. Slick Rick Buker. Mavericks won the championship in 2011 with the great Dirk Nowitzki, my favorite player in franchise history. But Slick Rick Buecher, if I can see his face. Oh. Slick, who was the leading scorer in that closeout game, game six against the Miami Heat, Slick Rick Buecher, if you recall? Mm. I'm going to guess it was Jason Terry. It was Jason Terry, Slick Rick Buecher, a 33-year-old. Jason Terry was the leading scorer in the biggest game of the biggest player in Dallas Mavericks franchise history. It wasn't actually Dirk, y'all. It was Jason Terry, 33-year-old Jason Terry. Without the help of Jason Terry, the Mavs don't win that, ser- don't win that game and may not win that series. Dirk intentionally or incidentally made sure to get his other guys going and get them going first. Hint. Jason Terry was coming off the bench. So, I love Luka. But what have I learned? Luka only throws one pitch. It's the heater. Hmm. And sometimes Luka works harder and not smarter. What I loved about Dirk and what I too love about LeBron James over the course of his career, hey, let me make sure I get other guys going. Let me make sure I get other guys going and then I'm going to go ahead and get mine. Maybe Luka should get six points in the first quarter as opposed to getting 18 so that Brunson can get six, Kleba can get four, Dinwiddie uh, can get six, uh, Finney Smith can get his. Like, maybe Luka should try a different approach. But what I've learned is Luka has no other approach. It's just, I'm going to go get buckets, whatever the cost. And that's nice on social media. (laughs) But it's not nice in real life if you're a Mavs fan. All right, so I don't uh, – yeah. in a difficult situation here, Acho, because I have my take, and then I, – but I have to defend Luca here. Please do. And what you're saying about him and the comparisons. Yes, sir. And first of all, it, it is – he's playing with – yeah, you could argue that he is only throwing one pitch, but part of it is because of what he has around him. If he had somebody who was a rim runner, mm-hmm. who was somebody who he could lob to, you'd see more action going to the rim. Maxi Kleber is not that kind of player. Essentially, what they've done is they've taken shooters, three-point shooters, and they've surrounded him, and they said, go get yours, get down into the paint if you can, and either get it or kick it, and we're going to swing it, and somebody else is going to score. Jalen Brunson has been driving, but what's been amazing in watching this series is, guys, Jalen and, and Luca get into the paint all the time. Spencer Dinwiddie gets into the paint. They are not looking to finish at the rim. Luke is the only one finishing at the rim, and there's nobody when, when Powell is off the floor, there's nobody that you're going to be throwing a lob to that's going to be finish, uh, finishing, a la Steph Curry has an Andrew Wiggins, has a Kevon Looney to dump the ball off to finish inside. So one of the reasons why Luke is not showing you all his pitches is because he doesn't have, and I can't make the analogy work when we're talking pitches, but he can't throw them all because he doesn't have the requisite, let's say, catcher who is able to catch those off-speed pitches. But here's the thing. This is what I learned in this series, is that (laughs) Luca (laughs) plays better mad than not mad. And Mm. it's really a comparison of what the Phoenix Suns did 
and what the Golden State Warriors are not doing. And I think I give the Warriors all the credit in the world. They've been incredibly smart in how they've approached this. When Luka Doncic did the Steph shimmy, what did Steph say? I give it an A+. The only criticism I have is he didn't do it long enough. When Andrew Wiggins crushed that dunk on Luka Doncic and Draymond Green was asked about it, he said, it means a little bit more when you throw a dunk down on a superstar like Luka. He found out a way. The dude got yammed on, and Draymond ended up finding a way to make it a compliment. Luka went at Steph with his signature move, and Steph found a way to make it simpatico. Take the Phoenix Suns. Uh, we got Devin Booker clowning him with the Luka special. We got Devin and Chris Paul, ha-ha, and Kiki at the post-game press conference after game two laughing at Doncic on the floor when they were going one-on-one -on -one with him and scoring. And here's the reflection, because it's not so much offensively. Luka's been the same offensive weapon in both against the Suns and the Warriors. It's defensively where that anger came out when, when the Suns suggested that he wasn't able to get it done at that end of the floor. He hasn't been nearly as good in this series, but the Warriors haven't made a deal about it. They haven't tried to make fun of Doncic for whatever his shortcomings have been at that end of the floor, and it's made all the difference in the world. The Warriors are simply, they're not rattling Doncic's cage, and he's not playing at the same level that he did against the Suns, and that is what I've learned from this series. Yeah, I'm somewhere with you, Slick. Uh, they're not rattling that cage because they know that Luka is a monster and he's under construction. These are the growing pains of the great of greats. This is what young Michael Jordan had to go out there and do. I, I guess if Acho and I were doing a show then, you would have said that Acho, look, Michael Jordan's only throwing one pitch. True. Scoring. And it's true. Because in part, he didn't have everything around him. That's what I've learned about the Mavs. They need another piece. What I learned about Luka, oh, he's everything young Jordan was. Let's talk about that. With Luka, you've got to look at the team's success and then separate that from what he's doing and his contributions. Luka is leading this team not only in minutes played, duh, not only in scoring, duh, rebounds, interesting, assists, okay, steals, Luka's leading the team in steals, efficiency rating, like all of a sudden everything is orbiting around Luka and his performance, like young Michael Jordan. But what changed? Obviously, when you get you other pieces you can trust, then all of a sudden you open up your game and start to trust in your other qualities. Luka can do more things, but he's like, the only thing that matters is putting this ball in the hoop because I don't have everything I need. If you look at Luka right now, we all know, we say it every show, it seems like, second all time, in postseason scoring only behind Michael Jordan, actually averaging more points in this series than he has in his entire postseason career. But it's not enough. So now when you look at Luka, only player ever, 30 plus, 8 plus, 8 plus, ever to do that in the postseason. All we're going to surmise from this is Luka needs more help. He needs more around him because what he's doing is being that young monster under construction. I lead you into this story and I got to go. Young Peyton Manning, I remember when we faced him his rookie year and coach said, hey, we better get him now before 
he gets us. And the next year, he got us, and he didn't stop getting us. This is what Luka's dealing with right now. We know that he's going to do his thing. But once he gets one more piece, once he gets one more asset, oh, he's going to turn around and get everybody back. Coming up, the Cardinals will be without the face of their franchise for OTAs. We'll tell you if Kyler Murray's absence is something or nothing. That's next on Speak for Yourself. One more piece. Kyler Murray will not be at Cardinals' voluntary offseason team activities this week, according to reports. Kyler hoped for a long-term extension. Now, remember, he made that public by his agent a few months ago. But for now, a report say contract talks remain quiet. Hmm. So, Sal, hmm. is Kyler Murray skipping voluntary OTAs something enough? Uh, it's both, actually. It's something and it's nothing. Elaborate, please. Okay. The reason it's something is because you can't do nothing in these moments when you're going through a contract negotiation. At least that's what the NFL, at least that's what business has taught us. This is the song and dance you have to perform if you're a potential franchise quarterback trying to get north of $200 million. The last thing you can do is just show up to work as everything is fine. Everything's status quo. So because you are in desire of something, you got to show them, hey, here's a little pinch to show you how much I really want what I'm asking for. And it's crazy because we see it time and time again. We had to see it with Deshaun Watson when he had to skip OTAs. You got to go back to Aaron Rodgers doing the same thing. Stephon Gilmore, Brady, Gronk. Like people have to do these things just to let the franchise know, hey, everything that you guys are showing me is not exactly what I want. So I think it's real BS because he's your franchise quarterback. You say you want him. You got to sign him. He wants to be your franchise quarterback. You should show up to OTAs. But this is that song and dance to make sure that they know, don't take advantage of me and don't take me for granted. I think it's something, Sal. I think it is absolutely something. Reason mm. being, mm. I said the three reasons you got to go to OTAs. Learn the playbook, signing bonus or workout bonus, rather, yep, yep. and team camaraderie. Yep, yep. Kyler knows the playbook, no workout bonus, but team camaraderie is the thing that the Cardinals are missing they started 7-0 and last year. Mm. Best team in the league, many were saying. Then all of a sudden, Kyler gets hurt. He comes back, and things just go terribly wrong from there. But from everything, again, I've heard inside the locker room and outside the locker room, Kyler's just not a leader. Mm. And when things mm. start to get tough, Kyler gets to finger-pointing. Guys get to finger-pointing. That type of stuff is addressed not in season, but in the offseason. Yeah. Leadership is built. Muscles are built in the offseason. Again, you want to say the mind is a muscle. That stuff is built in the offseason. Can I depend on you? Can I grow with you? Are we boys? We going out at night. We going to dinners. We talking life. We talking real. That is all in the offseason. In the week, during the season, you too busy for all that. Grinding, yep. So I think it's something because, Kyler, you going to get your money as long as you keep getting results. But we have to remember, big dog, you got blown out by a divisional opponent in the playoffs. You have a losing record in your career. And at the end of the day, when you actually had everything given to you this year, y'all still fell flat and came up way short. Not mm. just short. Mm. You came up way short. For that reason, Kyler does not have the luxury to skip OTAs. He has not earned the right in my mind. Uh, I don't know if he's earned the right. You're right. Looking at the resume in terms of success, he's improved every year. The Cardinals have improved every year. We didn't make mention of that when we talk about how you lost in your playoff game. At the same time, you just can't show up like everything is fine because that's not what you're being advised to do. He has the same agent as the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, does. So 
There's some behind the veil conversations that are happening that Kyler's privy to. He knows that they're probably going to pay him. Mm-hmm. He also knows that he needs to make this a little more of an urgent matter. Therefore, hey, how those OTAs look without me? And I already know the system, so don't play me with that. Or I know the guys, don't play me with that. Like, there's nothing that's saying I need to be here for any profound experience. Anything that's new, anything that's unique. It's more of the same. Let's build this in. Oh, by the way, you remember when Brady and Gronk, I'm not either one of those guys, missed their OTAs? They won a Super Bowl that year. So calm down on this whole, I got to be there in May, June, or else. It's not an or else. How about you take care of me, make sure I don't go out in the OTAs and get hurt. Like, we've seen that happen before. And then Kyler Murray's going to show up. So if you want him to show up, you have to also show up. But you know what we hear a lot? Um, cats say, Tyron Matthew, he, Matthew said to me one time, I don't know, we, I don't know why he got so upset. He's like, I hate when backups talk like starters. Ooh, ooh. In the same breath, I hate when starters act like Hall of Famers. <laughs> Kyler Murray is trying to act like a Hall of Famer. You mm. compared him to Gronk and Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. Both first ballot and Tom Brady should be unspeakable. Greatest mm-hmm. of all time. Yeah, yeah. Who else skips OTAs? Aaron Rodgers, okay. starter. Who else skips OTAs? Deshaun? Deshaun ain't no Hall of Famer. No, but Deshaun is a dude. I mean. Wait, but Deshaun is in Cleveland right now. He no, 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 it. no. In the past. I'm talking about in the past. But uh, understood. Yeah, yeah. Understood. But at least Deshaun had taken this team at terrible team to some playoffs and really been competitive. And then took them right back to terrible. <laughs> Four winning ass. But he won a game. Oh, oh, but he won a playoff game. Oh, really? So that Deshaun balling out of control on a four-win team is better than Kyler Murray last year? Don't do that. I can't do that, but Don't I do, do think this. I know. Kyler, you got to know what hand you've been dealt, big mm. dog. Like, Kyler, you had one of the most talented rosters in all of football last year. Between DeAndre Hopkins, between Chandler Jones, between J.J. Watt, between yourself, between Christian Kirk as your third or fourth receiver who just got $84 million to go be the Jags' first receiver. Kyler, you got too much talent to have not won, and now you acting like you've won so much. That's my (laughs) biggest issue with it, Sal. All right. So you would show up to OTAs, go out there, sprain your ACLs, not even tear it, just sprain it. Ah! And then be like, I'm fine. Just give me my money later. For me, genuinely speaking, he just hasn't earned the right. I Mm. think every now and then you earn the right to do certain things. He has not earned the right to skip OTAs. Win some more, now you've earned the right. But right now, what is he, 22 and 23 in his career, 23 and 24? You ain't earned the right. He said it. Coming up, the Warriors are one win away from the NBA Finals. We'll tell you what we think of Golden State's performance in this series. That's next on Speak for Yourself. So, Baker, stay away. Kyler, bring your... Golden State has been rolling in the Western Conference Finals, and they can sweep the Mavericks with a win tonight. Dallas has not had an answer to stop the Warriors, who have won their three games in this series by an average of just over 14 points per game. So, Acho, what was the Warriors' performance this series told you? Uh, It's told me this, that the Warriors are on their third iteration of greatness and on their second dynasty. And I'm taking a leap here, but I fervently believe it. Think about there were the pre-Kevin Durant Golden State Warriors. That Golden State Warriors team went to two NBA Mm -hmm. titles at 1-1. Then there was the Kevin Durant Warriors team. That Warriors team went to three NBA titles, and it won two. Mm. Now there is the post-Kevin Durant Warriors team, and this Warriors team is on the verge of going to its first NBA title. The Warriors are Mm. on their third iteration of greatness and on their second dynasty. Golden State Warriors, six finals appearances in eight years. The Golden State Warriors have won, what, 24 out of their last 26 playoff series, the only ones they've lost to the Raptors when Kevin Durant was injured and to LeBron James 
uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. The Golden State Warriors appear to be trying to pull off what the Patriots did in football. Hmm. Patriots had their first several chips, and we know they had their first several chips with the likes of uh, Ty Law. Beast. Uh, with the likes of Willie McGinnis, with the likes of Teddy Bruschi. Mm-hmm. And then they had their second series of chips with the likes of Rob Gronkowski, with the likes of Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, McCourty, etc. The Golden State Warriors have won their first set of chips and are about to win their second set of chips mm. in my mind. Mm. Jordan Poole, Looney, all these young dudes turning into straight ballers. So this series, this performance, it's just proven the third iteration might be the best iteration, but at a minimum, hmm. it's going to be a good iteration. No, I'm hearing some of that. I'm feeling some of that. I took a step back. My boys from the Bay Area just moved back down here to L.A. So he just sent me a text about 10 minutes ago watching the game at the new crib tonight. They're down here and they're reminding me of their greatness. And I'm going to just tell you like this. I can't even believe they're back at this place that fast. Like when... Steph Curry was injured. Klay Thompson was injured. You saw KD leave. You were like, I don't know. And it took a tremendous belief to get them back here. So way to recharge Golden State Warriors and get back on top. Now, what I see from them, it's kind of corny, another C, is culture, character, Curry. They believe, Steph Curry believes in the higher power. Steph Curry is religified, right? So Steph Curry's belief is like, This doesn't end with me. This is coming from a greater source that pays dividends. Why? Because when things happen to the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry's believing in something greater than what's happening in that moment. Then others plug into Steph Curry and then they have a greater belief in themselves and in that moment, despite results. So they stay committed to the process. Sounds like culture. Sounds like character. Sounds like Curry. Many dudes are sick. Like, I'm giving them their flowers. I sometimes push back because nothing's perfect in this world. But I'm just amazed at how this team recharged again. I know you don't have a Tesla, but you finally drove a Tesla, you told me once. You've been in them a thousand times. Let's take it deeper than just riding in a Tesla. You got to go on a long trip in a Tesla. There are two things you got to think about. One, why am I taking a long trip in a Tesla? Because I'm going to have to stop somewhere and charge this sucker, right? Now, when you charge your sucker, you got to hit a boat. It's a little lightning bolt. I like the chargers. Go chargers, Tesla. I'm sure there's something there in there and an endorsement deal for me. Anyway, you hit it. And then all of these charging stations pop up on the route to your destination. But the all charging stations ain't the same. Mm-hmm. Some of them 75 kilowatts max. You're going to be there for a minute. Some <laughs> of them 150 max. Yeah, you're going to be there for a few seconds. And then there's those 250s. That's where I'm stopping. Now, I'm looking at the Golden State Warriors. Dog. I didn't expect them to be on the 250 like that. Just one little, little, oh, what you up to? No, I got to go. I'm already charged back up. Steph Curry, because of his mindset, because of his heart, because of his character, because of his culture, has allowed them to plug into anybody. Wiggins, Poole, look at these dudes, man, playing above their heads. You got to give Steph Curry his flowers and his props in this moment because this is sick. Coming up, Russell Wilson is being very, very low-key about playing his former team week one. We'll tell you if we're buying it. That's next on Speak for Yourself. Russell Wilson spent 10 seasons in Seattle, but after a blockbuster trade this offseason, he's in Denver. His Broncos facing his former team, the Seahawks, in Seattle week one. Ooh, we get mm. it on and pop real quick. It's going to be on Monday night. But Russ is downplaying the reunion. Take a listen. 
I think for me, it's, it's non-emotional, though. It's got to be non-emotional. you got to be able to go into it uh, with understanding that it's just ball, you know? So, Sal, are you buying Russ's non-emotional approach to his return in Seattle? Nope, not buying it. Sounds good on paper. Sounds good leaving your lips, but it won't work. And Russell Wilson, veteran of the game, I don't know why he's planning to fail. He's going to fail in the mission to go out there and be non-emotional. It's just like, oh, it's just ball. Stop playing. (laughs) You know why it's not just ball? Because before it's just ball, you're just a person. And you're going to respond to the people you know. You know everyone. And it's not just your teammates. Because we've competed against each other before, at least in practice, you know? First team versus first team. You're like, oh, yeah, finally, dog. First team versus second team. First team, third, third team. It's not that. It's now you're a visitor or now you're an outsider to the guy who's your equipment manager, Mm -hmm. to the guy that you see in the hallway used to always hook you and Sierra up with extra passes. Like when you go through those emotional steps en route to just playing ball, it becomes more than just playing ball. Russell knows this. This is going to be the first time he experiences it. Next time, he ain't going to say it's just ball. He be like, yo, I'm out there as a person. Yo, this is what confuses me with Russ, and I feel like this is why Russ gets into so much hot water mm. in society. Because um, mm. Russ, I don't think he always is true to himself. Like, Russ, of course it is going to be emotional because mm. emotions are tied to memories, and boy, do you have so many memories in Seattle. So many good ones. Yep. Nine of your ten seasons were winning seasons. You won a Super Bowl in Seattle. Went to two. Mm. All of your amazing memories as an NFL football player are in Seattle. The majority of your amazing memories as a football player are in Seattle. And emotion is tied to memory. Mm-hmm. Big dog, you've played at least 50% of your games in Seattle for the last 9, 10 years. Yeah. So you can't act as though it won't be emotional because it will. You know we just talked about it at the top of the show. Mm. It's one thing to give a commencement speech. I think giving commencement speeches are always an honor, always distinguished, and are probably always highly emotional. It's another thing to give a commencement speech at the university in which you went to. Hmm. It's another thing to give a commencement speech at the university you went to within the stadium you played in. Mm. Like, so the most emotional part of me giving them a commencement speech this past weekend wasn't giving a commencement speech, nor was it giving it to Texas. It was the fact that I was in the stadium where I tore my MCL. I was in the stadium where I got concussed. I was in the stadium where I played with my brother. I was in the stadium Mm. where I saw mom and pops in the stand Mm. section 214. I was in the stadium where I had senior night and I went out there for the last time, gave my dog Mac Brown a kiss on the cheek, said thanks for everything, coach. I was in the stadium where I went on my first official visit. Mm. That was what made things emotional because emotion is tied to memory. Now, for my itty-bitty memories of Texas, Russ, (laughs) imagine all the grandiose memories he has in Seattle. Yeah. You can't go back to Seattle and act like it's going to be non-emotional. You hit the nail on the head. He's preparing himself to fail because you have to anticipate the emotions so they don't shock you, Russ. Yeah, tremendous. You just took me down that memory lane as well. And I think Russell's trying his best to avoid it. And a lot of people do this in terms of dealing with something that's very emotional. They disassociate. They just try to be somewhere else. I'm going to be in a non-emotional state, so I'll have to deal with what's drawing me in terms of these emotions. I get that. But the only experience I've had like this, because Columbia has not asked me to speak yet at the commencement. Y'all got a long list, though. And they don't want me going up there with them double negatives. They be like, $60,000 eyeballs. Here we go. Oh, man. These fake-ass terms, like non-emotional now, right? Real talk. Somebody, you talking to your boy, he's like, no, real talk. I'm like, oh, dog. 
fake ass. Like, what we been doing? Like, I'm non-emotional in a football game. Man, stop. And another one is no doubt. Like, no doubt, big dog. No, you got doubt. You're just managing it. It's okay, big dog. Here's the thing, Russell Wilson. I played my former team when I left Buffalo and went to San Diego. We had a pregame fight. Oh, I was non-emotional. Yeah, right. Uh, sack, tackle for loss, sack. First three plays, non-emotional. Yeah, right. I was trying to kill people out there, and they were trying to kill me because that's what we do as brothers in this same fraternity. So, Russ, you ain't going to return back to the frat house non-emotional as I chose. Tell them how your heart felt when you said you were walking up there. Look, heart pumping. Just boom, 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 boom. Because it's all emotional because, like you said, big dog, like there is no memory that is void of emotion. Yes. It might be a good emotion. Mm-hmm. It might be a bad emotion. Mm-hmm. It might be a neutral emotion. But there's no memory void of emotion. When Russ steps on the, the field and all of a sudden they're not cheering for him Ooh, and yeah. them same faces he saw are booing him instead of cheering for him, mm. that's an emotion. Uh, and if that doesn't get you throw a pick i bet you get emotional (laughs) coming up the lakers are still looking for a new head coach tell you if they should be interested in doc rivers next don't speak for yourself it looks like the lakers have three finalists for their head coaching vacancy but not so fast a report says they have quote not completely abandoned hope on hiring doc rivers but it added, it could all be wishful thinking. So I choke. Should the Lakers be interested in me? Doc Rivers. Are they interested in losing? Oh, don't. Come and, on. And the worst part, like, Champ. are you interested in, like, Champ. painfully losing? The <laughs> worst kind of losing. Not knowing you're going to lose and lose. Thinking you're going to win and losing. Absolutely not. Mm. I love Doc Rivers as a human being. Mm. I like Doc Rivers a mm. lot as a father figure, mm. as a man. Incredible. But Doc Rivers, as a basketball coach, sell. He has not been to a conference finals. Oh, really? In 10 years. Oh, okay. 21 NBA head coaches have been to the conference finals since Doc Rivers has been to a conference finals. You know the caliber of players that Doc Rivers has coached in the last 10 years? I'm, I'm not going to list them off because I want to leave you these last 34 seconds. Mm. But absolutely not. Wow. Doc Rivers, ninth most wins of any head coach in NBA history. Championship coach. And it's on brand for the Lakers. This is what the Lakers do. Remember the Kobe deal? Rest in peace. Hey, Kobe was coming down the hill a little bit, but he's box office. He's a name. He represents us. Same thing with Doc Rivers. Even if you don't think he can still coach, because he always gets in the position so he can still coach. Come on, Doc. See you in L.A. That's it for us. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Once again, congratulations to Acho. 60,000 strong. That's my dog.